Welcome to the coaching practice. My name is Dupi, and as always, I'm looking forward to broaden your understanding of what coaching is and the impact you as a coach can have on your world. In this episode, I'll be speaking to Roger, a director of LifeLab, who practices as a leadership coach and corporate sustainability consultant. He coaches leaders and teams to navigate uncertainty and complexity by harnessing collective intelligence. He holds a PhD in corporate sustainability from UCT and a master's degree in coaching from Middlesex University. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Roger and I hope you do too. Good morning, Roger. Morning, Zupi. It's good to be with you this morning. I'm glad you, you could make it and, and thank you for your time. To those who are listening, I want to welcome Roger or Dr. Roger Maitlin to this episode. He was my supervisor in, com- in completing my, my master's degree and I thought that he would be an excellent uh, person to, to start this first season of the podcast. And in this podcast, we'll be talking about um, learning wisdom and knowledge from the areas of a coach's journey, a coach's philosophy, and the niche of the coach. So, Roger, just for those listening, could you just um, tell us a bit about LifeLab? With pleasure. Um, we st- uh, myself and Brett Anderson Terry started LifeLab in 2005. You know, I think growing up and uh, maturing in the uh, during the political transition in South Africa um, left both of us wanting, feeling that we wanted to make contribute to the transformation in South Africa, and uh, coaching and organisational development were was a way that we felt we could do that, given that uh, the place that South Africans were meeting across all races post ninety four was in the workplace, and so. Our vision with Life Lab was, you know, seeing your life as a laboratory um, oh. allows you to um, approach things perhaps in a different way, to, to figure out what you really want, to make experiments, to adapt those experiments, and to, to try to create a life and create a meaningful life and a meaningful work in a way that, that, that responded to the current challenges that people and society was facing. So, yeah, we work across a wide range of industries. We work in organizational development and executive coaching and um, also in helping organizations to build the internal capacity. Um, and then we do some research as well. Sure. That's interesting because when I, when I went on the website, I saw Life, Life Lab and I couldn't understand where does this name come from. But now that you explain that your life as a lab, that just makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> so that's, that's great. If you're listening, if you head on over to lifelab.biz, you can see everything that this amazing company does for, for businesses. So, so, Roger, I want to dive right in. First question would be, could you tell us about your coaching journey up until now, chiefly um, focusing on what in this coaching journey brought you to coaching specifically? Well, you know, I got into coaching through being a client. Um, being, um, I got to a point in my career where I was feeling stuck. Um, and uh, one of our clients, I was working at um, a tertiary institution at the time, and one of our clients was one of the first uh, coaches in Cape Town. This was back in the, I think, somewhere around 99, 2000. And coaching was a very unheard of thing at that point. And uh, the first time I heard about it, I was quite skeptical. And 
through several conversations, I, I figured out that this is actually what I needed. And I was uh, quite surprised with the results. So I was a skeptic. I, I, I signed up. I kind of I went through uh, a coaching journey with, with an executive coach. And I think what, what I discovered through that was the power of this method, uh, which is quite action-orientated, which, which is extremely, I, I found quite challenging, actually. But somehow the consistency, the focus, the careful support helped me to create the changes that I was looking for at that point in my career. And after that, I saw I was sold. And I, I've, I, I felt that this was something that I wanted to take seriously and make a kind of a key feature in my own uh, practice and work. So you came to coaching from a client's perspective initially. Correct. Correct. Being skeptical and then seeing the results. And then, and then what then? So now you had the results. But it's one thing to be a client experiencing the results, <laughs> then going on to doing a master's and, and so on in in this field, what, what brought that about? Well, I, I had studied psychology um, up to honors level at university. So I, I wanted to kind of head towards the helping professions and I'd got kind of into education. And, um, you know, I, I think it was a little bit also of synchronicity of the right things happening at the right time because I, whilst I was working with that coach, I got introduced to um, a professor, uh, Professor Mike van Oetsoen, who... Um, who had an interesting story, a South African um, a coach and academic that had left the country uh, and, uh, and had returned wanting to kind of bring something back and support transformation in South Africa. And I got to meet him at the point where he was uh, launching the first, I, I think the first or one of the first master's and doctoral degrees in the world. And he was, uh, I was in the education game and he was looking for students and I, and, um, I got to speak with him and he said, you know, find me the students and I'll run the program. He had run into some feed bumps along the way. And, you know, it, the time was just perfect because mm. I got out there into the market and started spreading the word and marketing this, this program. And within a few short months, we had both programs full. Mm. Um, it's almost as if the time was ripe and I jumped onto the master's program at that point and, um, and that was what launched me into coaching. Sure. What keeps you in coaching? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think that as coaches, we are quite lucky because our work is quite rewarding. Um, seeing people grow, seeing, uh, businesses grow, seeing organizations transform is an intrinsically rewarding thing. So that's the one part of this. But the other part is that uh, if I look around at the world, I'm quite concerned at um, the kinds of problems that we're facing as a civilization. In South Africa, we've got our own set, but more broadly in the global space, the problems associated with climate change and uh, the period, because I think that as coaches, if we work smartly, we can contribute quite significantly to some of the, the, the challenges that are lying up ahead. And, uh, and so that's what I've been focusing on. And that's what, that's what keeps me in the game, seeking to try to figure out how to enhance effectiveness, to find new ways of applying coaching to be able to make a contribution. I don't think we can solve these problems. I think we have to learn to operate in them. And I think that coaching is one of many different methods that can help. But I think it certainly is a useful one. Mm. Roger, another question. There might be people that might be listening to this um, starting out in coaching, in their coaching journey. 
and they might be in a, at an inflection point. They might be busy with postgraduate work. What would your um, advice be to them if they're just starting out in a formal coaching journey? Well, I think it's important to prepare yourself. Um, and I, I, I believe that, that formal studies is a useful way of doing that. Um, there tends to be two routes. Uh, the one is to is to sign up to an institution that learns and, and to learn and to master a particular coaching approach. And the other format is, tends to be to go into a program that allows, well, that exposes you to a wide range of coaching um, methodologies, theories, disciplines, and allows you the opportunity to build, to piece together and to synthesize that input into your own coaching approach that works for a particular t uh, target or niche and, uh, and then to have your own signature in that kind of way. Both are very good. Um, it is a matter of personal choice, but I think the important thing is to kind of arm yourself with knowledge and to get so the support you need to build the skills in order that you can get the results in the market. So that's the first step. And then I think it's, it's important to think about um, who you want to coach and for what purpose. You know, it's, it's a wide field out there. And I think to, to build a profile around something um, is very useful in terms of, of the market getting to know you and you being able to confidently sell yourself um, in a particular area. Mm. Mm. We'll, um, we'll, we'll circle around to, to niches and clients and all that just a little bit later in the conversation. Right now, I want to wade into the philosophy part of coaching with the first question. It's a very easy question and I think everyone has an answer to this question is, what is coaching to you? You know, I think there are many ways of describing coaching, but at its core, mm. it's, you know, I think the one issue that we face as humans is that we are, we are locked into our own perceptual systems. Mm. No matter how hard we try, we can't truly see the world how somebody else does because we are caught in our own uh, perceptual systems, meaning-making mechanisms, etc. And... Uh, and so it's really useful to have somebody, somebody that's not invested in the outcome, somebody that's not uh, caught up in the situations and the teams that you're involved with, casting an eye on how you're doing, a kind of, you know, if it's a leadership coaching framework, to be able to say, for example, you know, did you really mean it when you, when you engaged in that way? Uh, what do you think the consequences of that would be? Um, what, do you, what are you not paying attention to in the situation, to be asking you questions that helps you to almost take a step back from yourself and to view yourself from the eyes of your stakeholders. Mm -hmm. And I think that is extremely useful because it's something that is very difficult to do by yourself. Of course, you can journal. Of course, you can reflect. But sometimes it's that, that left a field question that the coach gives because they have been paying 100% attention to you and observing you over a period of time and have picked up patterns or, or things that perhaps you're not that aware of when you engage in your life or your work. I enjoy when you said asking questions that helps people step back from themselves. Um, I, th I think that was, a, that, was, that was a great line. You said something about the stakeholders as well, letting them see what the stakeholders perceive. Um, am, am I getting that correctly? Yes, exactly. So it's almost as if you're able to, you know, if you were, if you were a character in the movie and you were watching the movie, you would have a very different perspective of the, the, the storyline and the plots and the relationships and than you would if you were a character in that movie. Um, and mm. I think it's that kind of helicopter view that, that really makes the difference. So the next question, Roger, would have to do with the inputs of your coaching philosophy. 
how, what would you outline as, as a few inputs that close to the heart of how you operate as a coach? Right. Well, I love the, you know, the world of theory and, uh, and um, exploring knowledge around coaching and, and, and related disciplines. So it's mm-hmm. been something I've, I've put a lot of effort into over the years. And, and um, you know, when we started talking about your life as a laboratory, uh, when we're talking about the name of my, of my business, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that idea of seeing a person as a personal scientist seeking to asking Mm. questions, you know, if I act in this way, what will the results be? If I try to solve this problem, what will the results be? In fact, every action you could see as a wager, it's a kind of a bet because you put it out into the world and Mm. all manner of forces start acting on it. So, so this idea of, of a person as scientist, so the scientist role not being reserved for scientists, but actually each one of us can step into mm-hmm. that and ask questions and seek to answer them in a systematic way, came from a discipline called personal construct theory developed mm-hmm. by uh, George Kelly many, many years ago. And that has become a kind of a cornerstone, one of the coaching approach. What I like about it is that it provides a very structured and systematic way of studying another person's perception and how they make meaning in their life. So it allows us to kind of really get a more external view of their perceptions, which makes all the difference. Uh, it comes with a range of techniques and tools that helps, helps me as coach to map out um, your way of, of viewing things, your way of acting, and to, together with you, um, look at, examine that and find ways of enhancing it, making it more fit for purpose for what you're trying to do. So that's the one side. Mm-hmm. The other aspect is that increasingly in the world today, the, the problems that we're facing are what we would call uh, entangled uh, Problems can be uh, associated. So it's almost when problems exist in a, what we would call a transdisciplinary space. So, mm-hmm. for example, if we think about this COVID-19 um, uh, situation that we've got right now. We have a lot of debate in society around uh, uh, the, the medical, um, the lockdown uh, initiatives as opposed to the, the economic uh, costs of that. You know, if we start to look at it, um, so you can't, you can't bound the, the problem too narrowly because it's influenced by a whole range of other factors. So mm. what I'm finding is happening, these are also called wicked problems. Uh, and what I find happening is, is happening out there in the market is that as a coach, I'm needing tools and approaches and theories to be able to help clients to navigate these kind of uh, entangled problems that come with a huge amount of uncertainty. Mm. So one aspect of that is how does the individual respond? How, you know, what's happening in the, from a neuroscience perspective in terms of the stress responses? But a whole mm. other element of that is how do, we, how do we start to map out the, the, the different aspects of those complex problems in a way that the person can navigate them more effectively? And so... Mm. In terms of that, I bring in um, lessons and insights from complexity theory, which um, you know, which is the discipline which study uh, in which we study um, complex um, complex systems like social systems, mm. or organizations, or um, societies, and uh, and those two together give me a lot of scope um, to practice. Why is it called wicked problems? Well, these are messy problems. These are problems ah. where causes and you know uh, one problem gets solved and it causes a whole series of other problems it's pro- they're problems mm. where 
Um, you know, since for a very, very long time in the science, uh, in universities and in the scientific community, we've, we've uh, separated our disciplines and we've had, we've, we've developed expertise as, as scientists in particular disciplines. You know, you would study mm. economics or you would study anthropology or sociology. And what so many of the complexity thinkers are saying is that, is that what, because of the problems we're facing now, we need more transdisciplinary work. We need to be able to link mm. these disciplines. So the same is true for coaches. We can't just narrowly focus in our field to the exclusion of the other disciplines that are affecting our clients. And so, mm. and so wicked problems are, are messy. They're, um, they often require um, teams of experts rather than one expert. And, mm. and this has huge implications for how we we will be, I think, how we will be coaching into the future. Um, in that to effectively address these kinds of problems, we might need to be working with uh, stakeholder groups, um, mm. teams, uh, multiple teams, perhaps even across organizations to be able to have, you know, um, gradually create dialogues and conversations that allow for um, broader uh, wicked problems to be worked with. Okay, meeting the complexity at its own level right. type of thing. So the last part, and this, once again, this is for um, coaches that might just be starting on their journey. The idea of a niche, first I want to just hear from you. How did you get to your niche? Right, well, I think there have been many moments that have, have, have uh, influenced that. And I also have multiple niches. Um, mm -hmm. but I mean, one that comes to mind was, um, I was, you know, part of my work is, is, um, helping organizations to develop internal coaching capacity, whether that be mm. through kind of managers, coach, leader as coach, or, or simply internal coaches. Um, and I was working with a financial services institution that was, uh, rolling out a standardized program across all their operations internationally. Mm. And I ended up in Nigeria and Lagos, um, mm -hmm working with a with with a, a group that we were trying to that we were yeah running a facilitating a program a manager's coach program and mm -hmm. what i started started to notice quite quickly is that the the design of this program didn't work very effectively in this particular mm -hmm. market and as i started to explore it a little bit more i realized that there were a lot of um externalities and uncertainties uh um issues that at that time and this is this is going back 10 15 years Mm. Um, made it very uncomfortable for managers or leaders to adopt a coaching approach. It's almost as mm. if the coaching approach opened up the door to, uh, they, they were afraid that the coaching approach would open up the door to any na manner of excuses in a city that mm. at that point, you know, was, had 24-7 gridlock and, um, you know, intermittent power and a whole lot of challenges that, that were quite, quite difficult for uh, folks to, to, to deal with uh, in their working lives. And so as part of that, what I decided to do was to start to study um, the group's perceptions of their context um, in the West Africa region. Mm. And so we used a tool from, um, from personal construct theory called the Repertory Grid, which allows us to, 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 to study quite precisely the perceptions of the, of the group. And I got to see that that um, that the context played a huge role in the ability for us to act effectively for uh, for me to act effectively as a coach. And mm. so, and I also got to see that when the groups 
engaged in a more contextually appropriate way, we were able mm -hmm. to get better results. Mm -hmm. And so I, I got quite interested in kind of how, how um, coaching plays out in organizations or systems. And I think from there onwards, what started to happen was a huge focus on, on developing uh, the internal capacity of, of, uh, of organizations to utilize coaching. And I started to also to integrate um, different coaching modalities into one organizational process. So, for example, we would be uh, we would engage with an organization, um, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking of a, a, a not-for-profit that we were working with, where um, the executive structures and the management structures were at loggerheads. Mm -hmm. And we designed an organizational development process as the start. There was a huge resistance. And so the next step was, so we, we paused that. And the next step was to coach two of the executives mm -hmm. at the top of the organization. When the, the management started to see the changes that were happening when the executives engaged through coaching, mm -hmm. um, they became quite interested and the defenses started to drop and they started to see, well, actually, perhaps something else is possible because people did want change in this organization. It's just that the, there was a lot of fear around embarking mm. on an organizational development process. Mm. And so from there, we, 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 we were able to start coaching, bring a team of coaches in and start coaching with each of the, of the um, uh, senior, uh, senior management team. And as that started to go underway, we were able to then convene um, different teams within the management structures to go through team coaching. And as a result of that, there were substantial changes and lasting changes in the organization. And so I, what I learned was I needed to have a deep appreciation for context because it's not about just coaching somebody in isolation. Sometimes we need to look at the system that they form part of. Mm -hmm. And this is what developed over the years was this kind mm -hmm. of um, mixed practice between organizational development, co individual coaching, and team coaching, which I think really holds potential for our industry into the future. It's difficult work, but it's very rewarding work. Hmm. Sure. So, Roger, as a, as a closing, second last closing comment, um, for someone who might be at a space where they are trying to figure out or in where they, the niche or niches that they might practice in as a coach, what would your advice be? What I think the there are a couple of things that you can uh, steps, concrete steps that you can take. I mean, I, I think the I think one is outward looking and one is inward looking. The outward looking mm -hmm. part of it, and I don't think they necessarily happen in sequence. They can happen mm -hmm. together. The outward mm -hmm. looking part is to look out at at the world, at the market, and say what are the needs that that people currently have. And uh, you know, I mean, if we if we look at our world right now, that's been turned upside down with COVID nineteen. Uh, mm -hmm. Perhaps the needs are quite different from what they were like last year even or a few months ago. And I think it's to really pay attention to not only to you know, try to piece that together for yourself, but to have conversations with people in the market. Um, what are they struggling with? What, what, what do they understand by coaching? How could coaching be of use to them, their organizations or, or their communities? And so if you start to have conversations that are outwardly focused, it, it will start to sensitize you to, to potential niches. And I think it's important to notice your response to those. You might mm. notice that when you listen to one person uh, articulating a need, that, you, that a, a little bit of excitement wells up in you. Mm. And I think it's to pay attention to those subtle impulses. And then, of course, to go 
the inward journey would be to say, well, why am I going into coaching? What is this journey about for me? What do I want from my coaching um, uh, uh, career? Mm. And these could be things, uh, reflection points that are about your values, around your, your own sense of purposefulness in your life. But they could also be practical things like, you know, would you prefer to be working one-on-one uh, -on -one all day? Would you like to have a mix of things between one-on-one uh, you know, -on -one and group conversations? Uh, would you like to be working remotely or face-to-face? -face? Or hopefully that becomes possible. And, mm. um, and so there, there, are, there are a range of questions that can be asked. And then, of course, I would also, you know, I think it's also useful to look back at your expertise and history and to say, well, what mm. have I studied? What experiences have I had? Now, coaching is not mentoring. It's not about advising and it's not about consulting. Mm. But certainly mm. having a kind of a uh, coming from a place where you have a sense of confidence and expertise can help you to, to ask useful questions, to understand the context that the person is coming from. And I think mm. that that is another aspect that, that might be worth looking at. We've had a lot of students at the University of Stellenbosch find you know, examples of that where, you know, for example, somebody that was in the music industry that, that then started to coach uh, performers and, uh, and other artists around um, creating a business around their creative uh, talents. Or people that are in corporates, for example, that have, have found niches where they can support, uh, I'm thinking of one example in a retailer where an internal coach was wanting to support um, um, startup businesses that were being um, brought into their supply chain to support transformation. And so that would be another example. Um, and of course, you know, th there is an enormous variety of coaching out there. And um, I think there are two aspects to this. The one is find niches and promote them. But the other aspect is also, I think some degree of variety in your work is also useful. Uh, and makes your business as a coach more resilient. So don't narrow too much as well. Thank you for that uh, wisdom. Roger, thank you for spending time on this, on this podcast. I uh, appreciate it. And your wisdom, I'm sure the listeners will also appreciate. Uh, just for you, if you're listening, you can head on over to lifelab.biz to find uh, Roger's company. He's coaching practice for more information about the man. And Roger, thank you. We appreciate this. It's an absolute pleasure. Lovely to be part of your podcast, Doobie. Thank you, Roger.